What's up and welcome to the HorrorCast, episode number 114. And tonight we continue our Women in Horror tribute. And yes, we understand. It is probably March by the time you're getting... Yeah, it's definitely because it's March 4th right now when we're recording. Um, And Women in Horror Month was February. That's okay. We're a little bit late. It's all right. We're always late. It's still... It's Women's History Month now, so we're... Oh, it's Women's History. Yeah, we can still play this. Yes. Thank you, Vin. We're the only podcast right now... Right. ...doing anything for Women's History Month. What are you guys doing out there? (laughs) Huh? Huh? It's the season We're ahead of the the game. We are ahead of the game. Women deserve more than just one This is a progressive podcast, you guys. Progressive. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Woke AF. Yep. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even go there. Uh, All right. Well, uh, I am Mark Nato, one of your hosts tonight. And and we just got two hosts tonight that just couldn't wait to get brought in. So they're just going to speak up. So let's bring them in. Taminator, what's up? Well, I am happy to be here rounding out women's horror season, I guess. With you guys, with these two uh, desert vampire movies. Oh, yes. Picked by boys. I couldn't believe that they were both set in the desert. Was that? I know, and it's like it's the most <laughs> that unconventional. Been, that might have that been was planned. entirely accidental. Yeah. yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hello, Vin. What's up? Well, hello. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking vampires tonight, which is one of my favorite subjects. Um, but it remains to be seen if these are worthy movies of uh, of those creatures so we will see i, I definitely think we're gonna have some some debate here <laughs> um, maybe not though <laughs> maybe i don't know we'll see um so we are going to be talking about the 1971 film the velvet vampire used to stephanie rothman is that right yes uh she was a um uh, one of the only really female directors back in the seventies. She did a lot of exploitation kind of, I guess you would call them kind of ground grindhouse type films. Yeah. A lot of Corman productions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we'll be talking about that and then we're going to fast forward to 1987 and we'll be talking about, uh, near dark, which was directed and co-written by Catherine Bigelow, uh, who is a, a very famous female director. So, there you go. Why don't we just go ahead and uh, take a 30-second break. When we get back, we're going to get right into it. Uh, did want to make sure you knew, spoiler alert, 
Both of these movies are quite old, so when we talk about them, we will be spoiling them. So if you have not seen them and you really uh, don't like spoilers, go watch them before you listen. All right, we'll be right back. Hey, love horror movies? Yeah, so do we. Handpicked by experts, psychos, demons, ghosts, the occult, zombies, killer kids, black magic, vampires, shutter kills, Netflix on selection, screams on demand, shutter.com. Okay, we are back. And the first movie we're going to be talking about, 1971's The Velvet Vampire. As we said, um, directed by Stephanie Rothman. Um, was this written by her at all? I'm looking. Yes. yes. It was co-written by Stephanie Rothman, her husband at the time, Charles S. Schwartz, who was also a filmmaker, I believe, and uh, Maurice Jules, who I've never heard of. Um, rated R. Uh, and actually, it's, I mean, yeah, it's definitely rated R, but by today's standards, it's pretty tame. Yeah, not for violence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boobies. Right. Um, <laughs> so it runs one hour and 20 minutes. It's kind of a, a short film. Uh, came out on February 4th, 1980. And this is hilarious. Uh, in Mexico. So that's what they have up on uh, IMDb. The film came out in 1971. Why do they have it up as February 4th, 1980 in Mexico? <laughs> who, who cares? <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes IMDb kills me. Um I'm going to go through the the cast here. Uh, I don't think anybody did anything else ever. (laughs) Um, Michael Blodgett as Lee Ritter. He was fantastic. Uh, Sherry E. DeBoer as, this is hilarious, Susan Ritter. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Celeste Yarnall as Diane Lafanu. Gene Shane, Jerry Daniels, Sandy Ward. And a few other little uh, people here. But this was produced by Roger Corman. So I think uh, Schwartz kind of, her husband kind of worked with Corman a bit. And uh, I do know this from just a little bit of research that I did is she didn't like doing these kind of films. She really didn't like doing exploitation type yeah. films. It's the only kind of work she could get. Yeah. It's the only thing mm-hmm. that, that anybody would let her do. So this is what she did, um, which is sad, which is sad. But, uh, you know, she, she you know, did what she had to do to, to work. So, uh, so let's go ahead and roll the trailer. And when we get back, we'll give you our first impressions. You will meet her at night in a dark place. She's beautiful, and she's waiting for you, waiting to love you to death. (coughs) Who was this strange and beautiful creature who called herself Diane, who lived among the dead and the forgotten? Diane, there's one thing I don't get. The headstone said your husband died in 1875. And what were her sinister plans for the attractive young couple she enticed into her evil world? What was the source of the malignant power by which she drew them into an endless night of unearthly horror? 
The Velvet Vampire, starring Michael Blodgett, Sherry Miles, and Celeste Yarnow in a strange triangle of love and death and terror. The Velvet Bat. Okay, we're back, and I'm going to uh, go over to Vin. This is Vin's pick, and um, this was a blind pick because uh, Women in Horror and, and um, Stephanie Rothman being one of the um, only female directors of the 70s. This is why you picked it, right? And and uh, what were your first impressions? Yeah, um, yeah. So like you said, I had never seen this before. Um, yeah, I picked it slowly because it was Stephanie Rothman, and you had already kind of picked the second movie we were going to watch. So I thought, hey, you know, vampire movie. Let's uh, pair these up. Um, and I was, of course, aware of her importance as a female director of the seventies, and uh, you know, it, <laughs> I didn't realize that we would be doing two vampires in the desert films. Um, and uh, I, I did, I did run across a certain fact that I believe is true that there are no female directed vampire films in between this film and big lows. Really? Um, so yeah, this is, it's a, you know, when we go from one movie to the next, that's it when it comes to female directed horror films, I mean, uh, vampire films. So um, that's almost you know, a good 20 years. Yeah, uh, so it's it's actually fitting that we put these two together, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I can't say I love the film. Uh, <laughs> you know, you said it was an hour and 20 minutes. It kind of felt longer sometimes. Um, I will say, to be fair, you know, the copy I watched was on Tubi, and uh, it's a very yeah, grainy too. copy. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell that there were really some nice images that were being obscured by the poor picture quality. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't say it was a film that really grabbed me. Um, there, there were certain elements that I certainly like and certain things that are generally my jam. Uh, but yeah, um, I, I don't see myself returning to it anytime soon. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I did want, I forgot to uh, give the synopsis and I just want to let everyone know, uh, this is about a man named Lee and his wife, Susan, who accept the invitation of the mysterious Diane to visit her secluded desert estate. Tensions arise when the couple unaware that Diane is a vampire, Realize that they're both objects of the pale temptress's seductions. There you go. Uh, I will say too. Uh Sorry, uh, I will say the guy that played Lee. He did go on to write Turner and Hooch, so uh, he he did have something of a career afterwards. (laughs) Just wanted to throw that out there. (laughs) I think they wouldn't let him act again after this. That's that's why. So he had to write. Um, (laughs) Tammy, what did you think? What are your first impressions? Well, <clears throat> definitely never seen this before, and uh, I have many questions, many, many questions, which I'm sure we'll get to, and I'm standing by my proclamation that this is a porno with horror <laughs> elements. <laughs> Heavy on the porno. Uh, well, it, would, it, it would be a very, very soft porno. Yes. Yeah. You, yes. you don't yes. see any people. <laughs> You know, you don't see any male frontal nudity or anything. No, no. but you like see a couple the, boobs. That's about it. <laughs> well, the level of acting, uh, just yeah. And yeah. there's like if, no story. Like it just had that feeling like they were like needing reasons to stitch some boobies scenes together. So yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, again, when you're, when you're thinking about early seventies, you're thinking about exploitation. You're thinking about, um, you know, grindhouse type stuff. I mean, that, that was just part of what people were expecting. 
to see. So if they went and saw the Velvet Vampire and hey, the new exploitation movie from director Stephanie Rothman, and there were no boobies, like there'd be like a riot in the theater. <laughs> well, there was um, also there was just something in the air at this time, like you know, uh, sexy bisexual female vampires were just slapping, kind of yeah. in vogue, man. You well, know, this we, was I know this is right after talk- the sexual revolution, right? I mean, it was yeah, but this is the same year that Daughters of Darkness came out, which has a very similar plot. Mm-hmm. Um, but just made a lot more competently. Uh, yeah, yeah, it definitely, definitely had a little bit more funds. Uh, that, that's yeah, what yeah. I would say. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come in with my, my two cents here and my first impressions. And, and um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, when I started it, uh, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm ready for like a early '70s, you know, exploitation flick, vampires. There's, there's gonna be some, some good kills and and stuff in here, and um. And I wouldn't say I was bored by the movie because there's not a lot of, I don't know, compelling action in the movie. Uh, but what I was, was entertained and probably because I found it so hilarious. (laughs) Um, and I don't mean that this is a movie that's so bad. It's good. I don't mean that either. Like when, when I think of a movie that's so bad, it's good. I think they meant for it to be, um, I don't know. Maybe she did mean for it to be like really serious. <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed like it was kind of comical in a lot of places with just some of the writing. Um, the, the acting was absolutely God awful. Just absolutely God. This might be some of the worst acting that, that we've had to endure for a movie that we've watched <laughs> since, since muck. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not joking. That's not a, that's not a joke. It, there was nobody in the movie that could act. Nobody. Mm-mm. Yeah. So, I, mean, I, th- I thought, I thought Celeste Yarnell who played, um, you uh, know, our main villain was, was not bad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think she had a lot to, you know, work with. I mean, you know, the, the thing is, this, this is like a total shoestring budget movie. Um, that is sometimes I think compensated by some artistic, uh, choices, mm-hmm. but sometimes those artistic choices just get become baffling, um, yeah. and they don't really work. But their budget was one hundred and sixty-five thousand. Which actually, to me, is more than what I thought. Yeah, half of that was probably the Dune buggy. <laughs> <laughs> the Dune buggy. When man, when they were riding the Dune buggy, I was like, you know, it's the seventies. Yeah. And I felt like the I felt like the Brady Bunch was going to pop out. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Uh, now I'll tell you this. Um, this is uh, to me not a bad story. You said, Tammy, you said, Tammy, you didn't feel like there was a story. I felt there was a story that could have been good, but it it, it wasn't written well. It was stretched out too long. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But even if, I mean, I can understand you, you meet this woman at this art gallery. She's kind of worldly and she's got this kind of uh, hold over you. You know, as a couple, and she invites you over to her place in the desert. And, oh, we're going to have a little mini vacation. Let's go on. A, and then when you get there, you know, the vampire stuff happens. She's kind of keeping you there um, just by her charisma and, and her whatever. What is that when vampires control you? Their glamour or whatever. And then she actually 
seduces both of them and and all and I can see all that but it just I'm, like I was thinking to myself as I was watching this movie man this this could have been a good story had somebody written a decent script <laughs> you yeah, know well, that's, that's why I said like the good version of this is Daughters of Darkness yeah um, but and what I we have here are remember. like I don't even remember Daughters of Dark. I mean, I remember. Yeah, I don't know it. if you've seen that one. We had talked about it like last year or something because I had okay, watched so it. Maybe I didn't see it. We didn't do it on our Hammer series. No, I brought it up on a roundtable. Okay, um, it, it's it a not Hammer a Hammer movie? film, but it is European. Okay, it's European. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's you know, I, I don't want to jump right into Bash and everything, <laughs> but I think you know, part of it is the fact that we have very unlikable protagonists. Um, you yes. know, Susie is too dumb to survive. Uh, you know, she's almost like childlike in a frustrating sense. Yeah. Um, the actress, a snake. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh the God. snake, come on. Uh, from from what I read too, that actress had like her drama coach on set the whole time. And I don't know what he uh, was being paid for. Um, but like, it's just like when they're spell. getting gas, like the dude is such a jerk to the guy pumping gas. I, you know, I don't know. Or the guy who's trying to get to pump gas. Like they're, they're just so unbelievably, um, I don't know. They're insufferable, you know, and you have like this love triangle, but there's zero tension. Yeah. Cause like right from the very beginning, when we see him, he's trying to get down the other woman's pants, like right at the art gallery, right in front of his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, there's no tension at all with this whole love triangle they're trying to do. Um, yeah. It's just a, a lot of things that you could have pulled out some drama from just completely fall flat. Yeah. And the, this is what I'm talking about being hilarious. Like they're there at the, the desert house or wherever. And he comes down the steps cause he can't sleep or whatever. And there she is eating raw liver. And he's like, Ooh, how do you eat that? It's raw liver. We're not animals, you know? And then the, the woman Susie or whatever wakes up and she comes down and literally they're naked on the floor. We didn't see any of that happen. Like, it was just like, <laughs> why are you eating liver? And then she comes down and they're naked on the floor. Um, and uh, I, I, she didn't seem to even be upset. Okay. So if you saw your husband acting like that with some chick at the art gallery, no woman is going to go to this to her house for the weekend, first of all. And But you, you could have made it. This is 1971. There. You yeah. could have made it like they were swingers or they had an open relationship, like, you know, and that well, it went at, too far. At that point, I think Susie is also supposed to be intrigued by her. Yeah. But they don't really explain that well because the actress isn't very good. You know, like, it doesn't come across that well. Yeah. Um, so I think that she's not, she's even less, she's not even mad about her husband because she's so intrigued by the vampire woman. Yeah, uh, she was like... I, I want some too. You know, I don't I think know. she's almost more jealous of the vampire one, you know, or you're jealous that her husband is getting her. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it doesn't come across, uh, because of just the way that everything is put together. Tammy, I think I interrupted you. What were you saying? Oh, I don't even remember, but then don't we find out she's not <laughs> really, she's not really a vampire, right? So that kind well, of, you don't know what exactly, that's not the way I saw it. I saw that that's the story they came up with uh, because the, um, the dude at the end, the art guy that, you know, hooked them up. He's a, he's, he might be the main vampire. Maybe. Um, I don't know. 
Yeah, or she turned him or something. I know his last name is Stoker. That's very subtle. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, last did name you see the other guy? Yeah. The other guy's <laughs> name was Drac Ula. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just some of the dialogue, man. Uh, yeah, the dialogue uh, is super corny. And I'm she's talking, talking about, like, she has a bloodstone, but she's talking like there's real blood in there. Yeah, I'm like that's not how bloodstones work. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if they knew that when they were writing that dialogue. The the scene where she's down in in the grave where her husband's buried, yeah. and Juan comes, and they're obviously and not in the same in location there. when they're talking. You know, and then yeah. here, here's something that had me laughing out loud, and I don't know if it was meant to. Um, it was near. It was near the end, but Lee and Susan are in the bedroom talking or whatever, and all of a sudden Lee just turns and says, "Where is that bitch?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just belly laughing. I just don't even know if like he meant it to be like, "I'm going to do this because it it feels tough." I don't know. Yeah. It just it was hilarious. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, I, I will say, I want to throw out something that I did like. One of the things I liked was the musical choices. That's what um, I liked, too. Yeah. yeah, like the opening credit music was kind of like piano with like a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And then I love like just like the blues song playing, you know, uh, at like, different parts in the beginning when she's like washing her the blood off her hands in a public fountain. Um, it's kind of cool. And even like when uh, when they have this chase through a bus station. There's that's like this kind of cool, like distorted guitar score that's going on. It's kind of psychedelic, some of that music. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. The, the whole sound design with that, and the the score, and the musical choices. That that was actually my favorite part of the movie. I'm like, okay, not what I expected to come out of like these, you know, from 1971. The different things that were coming out. Um, I, I was probably more expecting like porn music sometimes. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I, I actually really like the musical choices. It sounded a little bit like, you know, hippie music. Yeah, psychedelic I, music. Yeah, it, it it wasn't. Uh, yeah, it definitely wasn't porno music. Yeah, but not like groovy hippie music. No, it no, was no, like no. it was actually kind of experimental stuff. Like, yes, like almost yeah. like yeah. protest music or something. Like you know, I, I don't know. That's what I. Felt. I don't know. It, it felt more like like super like experimental to me. Um, there was kind of like this kind of like almost like a harsh like distorted guitar going or something. It, it didn't mm-hmm. it didn't come across as like you know we're gonna we're gonna put flowers in the barrel of guns or anything like that. Yeah. Did anybody else get? Um, the love witch vibes that is uh, were you reading my notes no <laughs> i think it might have been the, the wide-brimmed hat and the sunglasses and she's driving in the car i mean it was pretty obvious i mean one thing that's on my list of likes is the 70s-ness of this movie oh yeah and it seemed like I, I, that is one of the first things i wrote was like okay obviously this influenced the wit the love witch somehow mm-hmm yeah, because the Love Witch is the Love Witch uh, directed by a female. Yes. Yeah. So I almost, I almost guarantee it without knowing for sure. Almost guarantee it that that was a an influence. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I, I don't want to like just completely trash the movie. Uh, again, I think it could have had some. Uh, better writing and better acting. And if it had everything that happens, like, um, like the look of the movie and all of that, that's all fine. It's all fine. Like, uh, like a director can't act for somebody. 
Yeah. Um, and and well, maybe she she had the Rob Zombie thing where she could shoot a movie, but she sure couldn't write one. You know, uh, not everyone is a is a writer. Uh, I, like I felt like the the dialogue was very uh, just like um, uh, explanatory uh, and not really natural. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it just didn't flow and didn't feel like this is how people would talk. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's where that so, porn quality comes in. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And oh my gosh, here's another part where I died laughing is when <laughs> did anybody notice like the scene near the end? Spoiler alert. When uh, Diane kills uh, Lee in the bed. Did you notice like her voice changed. No, I don't know if I remember that. There was definitely, I guarantee you all this was, um, dubbed after, after the, you know, you can tell like Mm -hmm. they didn't have good mics on set, um, picking up the sound. It was all dubbed over and Diane's voice changed. And I don't know if it's, uh, a different person, it sounded to me like it was a completely different person voicing <laughs> Diane. I could be wrong, but uh, when she's biting him on the neck, did, I mean, did you see his face? It, it looked like it was hilarious. <laughs> the, the look on his face. And then he was just like this. You know, oh, oh my gosh. Are they supposed to, is this supposed to be scary? Oh my goodness. Uh, I just there were just some some really funny parts. I'm sorry. And One other thing that too, I because oh oh go ahead Ben. No go ahead finish what I was just going to say like I thought it started really promising, and I really mm-hmm. liked that like from the start of the bus terminal scene through the end. I really liked those two parts. It was like everything that happened in the middle is what made it to me made it like really drag and see yeah, the middle really long. Yeah, but yeah, the it's, bus it's not terminal scene. Enough. No, the bus terminal scene was really good. And I, I did like, I, I did actually like that dream sequence. I just thought it was overused. Yeah. Was it three times, four times? Yeah, at least, you know, at least three. Could um, they have, couldn't they have done like different, uh, you know, dream sequences? or Yeah, the, or change it up a little bit more yeah. or like, you know, maybe it can move a little bit faster sometimes. Um, but I, I thought that it was interesting visual choices like especially there's a part where she like comes out of a mirror that's in the desert Mm -hmm. um that was that was kind of a cool effect for that time period so i mean there's definitely you know i think if i had seen a clean copy of this i'd be a lot more impressed by the visuals Mm -hmm. um but just you know the graininess of the one that's on tubi just really didn't do any favors um to it Mm -hmm. um but you know, I, I do, I do see definitely some, some talent in areas, but it just doesn't come together. No, I I totally agree with you. And I don't know if this one, um, I'm going to look it up again. Um, give me just a second, everybody. I think the original title for the screenplay was something like through the looking glass or something. Yeah, like I think that. you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I believe, I believe there was, uh, s- many titles, uh, velvet vampires, cemetery on, girls, yeah. The Devil is a Woman, The Waking Hour, and Through the Looking Glass are oh. all m- names that this movie can go by. Well, they should have picked one and went with it instead of like <laughs> trying yeah. to do them all. Yeah. 
All right, so Velvet Vampire, I just wanted to look it up. It 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 does not exist. Oh yes, it does. There is a Blu-ray. Um it doesn't look like it's uh any kind of a special edition. This bad boy is $250. Uh, wow. For what? the Blu-ray, for the Blu-ray. Um and the DVD is is uh 7.99. So I it <laughs> I I don't know. It Tubi doesn't look is free. Like, Tubi is free. <laughs> but you know, I don't know if it, it, it's it's probably a Blu-ray in name only. Yeah, it's probably not restored or you know made to look uh, um, any better than the DVD. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, I think I tried to pretend it was an art movie a couple times, and I think that's people buying into that. You yeah, know. like I mean, like I said, the the dream sequence, the art stuff worked for me, but mm-hmm. I thought the ending was too, I don't know, ambiguous or something like that. Like when Diane's death scene happens, you know, like I was too confused. Like there are like a bunch of bystanders who are just immediately willing to chase her down with crosses. Well, yeah. here we go. Uh, another, look at her another, go. Let's yeah, go. seriously. Yeah. Another vampire <laughs> killed by a cross shadow. Yeah, it's like yeah, well, she it, it's unclear exactly what I kills her. Or yeah, well, that's the other thing too. Is like we see a brief shot of her with like white hair and red eyes. Yeah, but it's so brief; it's not clear to me if that's her dead body or if it's like some kind of artsy symbolism. Um, I don't. I don't know. So. It, it was. It was just kind of a weird, messy, rushed ending. Yeah, and it was just so happenstance that mm-hmm. she ran right by a a, a cross cart. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> hey, we have dozens and dozens of crucifixes here. Yeah, next to the hot dog stand. <laughs> yeah, next to the hot dog stand. Oh my god! Well, you never know when a vampire is going to run by. So. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> that was another really hilarious scene when they start chasing her, and go back and watch. It's like she's like going out on a jog. Yeah, yeah, she's not really running. <laughs> yeah. She's just like right. jogging, just scooting along, and they're all like just scooting along after. Her. I'm like, she does not look at all um, frightened, or you know, <laughs> like nobody looks committed in this scene. Like yeah. nobody, the people chasing her, her running away. Mm, yeah, it, it looked like something that was just kind of made up on the spot, even though I don't think yeah. it was. Um, but yeah, that that ending did not work for me at all. <laughs> but did you know that uh, Lee, played by Michael Blodgett, covered his private parts with masking tape? I read for that. His yeah, love scene yeah, in the living that. room. <laughs> and I heard you heard a ripping sound when he yeah. was on the floor with her. <laughs> the tape oh, didn't man. hold. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my goodness! What else? What else? Uh... <clears throat> Anybody? Yeah, I, I didn't have much else, honestly, uh, for this. We, we kind of covered my notes. <laughs> yeah, I watched this with my wife, and we were, by the end of it, we were just kind of like, yeah, okay, that was a movie. Um, now, I could see, I mean, I could see, you know, this person who, who directed The Love Witch or whatever that we think might have gotten some influence. I mean, you can see how um, a young female director could, could be influenced, you know. Well, I mean, this is still an important film. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be light on that aspect. You know, that Stephanie Rothman was one of the only female directors working. This was, I think th- this was her second independent directing gig. 
Yeah, um, she did after student the, nurses. Yeah, after I, student yeah. nurses. But I think she she only worked for a couple more years, but she made a lot of films. Um, you know, it, it's it's a thing like you know I kind of bashing the film, but I didn't hate the film. You know, like some movies, I just I'm angry at because they're so yeah. bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was just kind of like this was like quaint in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, like I didn't mind watching it, but I definitely was not like when it was done being like that was amazing. Uh, you know, it was just kind of like yeah. okay, yeah, I, I killed an hour and twenty minutes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, if you're looking for another movie of hers that is better. Uh, I think uh, probably the one that she is known most for is, is Terminal Island. I think yeah, that's which I haven't one. seen, but I'd seen that one pop up quite a few times. With yeah, uh, so if you're interested in her and you watch this and you're like, yeah, I want to see what else that that she got into, uh, look look for Terminal Island. That one's uh, supposed to be. It came out two years after this, and it's supposed to be you know a, a better movie. Of course, I haven't seen it, so I'm just I'm just throwing it out there to you. <laughs> All right. Um, we gonna do any? Uh, you want to do any um, nuggets of information, <laughs> or are we just done with this? Band? No, I mean I, I didn't have a lot, honestly. I mean, it, you know, I had just a couple little biographical notes about her, um, but I couldn't find a lot about uh, about the movie, um, except for some of the trivia that we already we already mentioned. Yeah. Is she um, living? Still living? Yeah, she is. She's in her eighties. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We should try to reach out and have her interview. Uh, see if she uh, remembers all about the masking tape. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. All right. So let, let's go ahead and rate this. Let's go ahead and rate it. And uh, I think I'm going to have to go first. All right. I'm going ha- to have to rip off the masking tape and just go ahead. Um, oh, my gosh. This is, ta- this is hard because I don't want to, like, uh, poo-poo the movie um i would say it's about a four and a half out of ten um at, at the most a five out of ten like i said i wasn't uh i was entertained and that's because i enjoy that 70s aesthetic and um all of that uh, some people don't so if if you're not entertained by that uh and and some like i guess probably non um intentional schlocky goofiness uh, you might hate it (laughs) but if you like that sort of thing you might you might find it uh, entertaining so uh, i'm gonna gonna stick with it four and a half out of ten um vin so um, i'm right around where you are i'm gonna go for a five and a half um you know i i do actually think that celeste yarnell had some talent uh, and she was gorgeous. She was also in Star Trek, which earns her some points. Um, I know you're but, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, it, it's, I do think that there were some interesting artistic choices in this. Um, and, uh, but like I said before, if, if this story sounds intriguing and you want to see a more serious take, you can check out Daughters of Darkness, which came out the same year. Um, but, uh, which I do actually really recommend that movie. Okay. And Taminator. Well, I'll meet you guys in the middle. Um, I, I'll say like a five. I mean, I do love the 70s aesthetic. It's, you know, my favorite thing in the world. So I th- I would recommend it just for that. Celeste Jarnell was very, very beautiful. She reminds me of almost like 
well, she dyed her hair brown for this movie, but she's like mm-hmm. normally uh, blonde and she looks very much like Sharon Tate, I thought. Yeah. Um, and here she kind of reminds me of Morgan Brittany. Um, that might be before your guys' time, but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know who that is. Uh, she was a, yeah, like in Dallas and those kinds of shows back in the day. But I mean, like for the 70s of it, it's good for that. But if yeah. you're looking for like something real depth and a lot of, <laughs> you know, don't come here looking for a really good like vampire horror movie or anything like that. But I just like Vin said, like sometimes movies like maybe like the next one that we might be talking about. I'm mad, like I mad with hate when they're done. <laughs> and like this one, I was just kind of like, uh, yeah, that was a movie, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I'm seeing that Celeste Yarnall. I mean, she was. Uh, in uh, the Elvis movie, Live a Little, Love a Little. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. She is a good-looking woman. Yeah. And she was also in uh, Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, which is, I believe, that won an Oscar. Remember that movie? Yeah, I do. I, I it, it. Was, it was nominated, at least, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what, what role she was in, but, you know, she, she had a career. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, there you go. That was our review of The Velvet Vampire. We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to get into 1987's Near Dark. Again, make me look like an idiot. <laughs> Gorilla glue, of course. You gotta damp it. Oh, look at that! You have a spray bottle. Well, not too much glue. Little goes a long way, buddy. And then clamp it down, guys. We did it. Look at that. Original Gorilla Glue for the toughest jobs on planet Earth. All right, we're back. And we're going to be talking about uh, Near Dark. Came out in 1987. I was saying to Tammy, I do believe this came out within weeks of Lost Boys. I think it was like a month later. Yeah, uh, which would be four weeks. Thank you very much. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, they all they came out uh, around the same time. So basically, what you have is dueling uh, vampire type movies. Uh, we'll talk about <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that's, more, that's more deliverance, but I'm not sure. Um, this one is, of course, rated R, uh, one hour and thirty four minutes. Um, it's oh, IMDb is action crime drama. What? What? <laughs> What, Maybe that's what listing kind of everything it's not. <laughs> I'm sorry. Put down the crack pipe. Okay? This is basically a western it's a vampire western. horror. You know? I, I don't understand where you get crime drama. Anyway, bunch of nuts. A small town farmer's son reluctantly joins a traveling group of vampires as he is bitten by a beautiful drifter. It is directed, as we said before, and written by Catherine Bigelow. Uh, Catherine Bigelow, I think she kind of was more famous at the time 
for being married to James Cameron. Yeah, James I think Cameron. they got married after this. But I think they were together. You know what I'm saying? I think uh, Cameron and uh, what's her name? Uh, Linda Hamilton, right? Because they were together, right? They were married, I believe. And Anyway, um, but a lot of people know her from that. And to me, that stinks. Like, I, I guess sometimes that happens with women, right? You're known by who you're dating or who your husband yeah. is instead yeah. of what you do. Um, and I just want to shout out not not only this movie um she directed blue steel which is a cop movie starring jamie kurt jamie lee curtis i like that movie point break which is a great action flick man come on keanu yeah, reeves and, and oh yeah and they remade yeah, it and it's horrible. oh my gosh what did they do <laughs> uh strange days she did a bunch of tv she strange did um, yeah k19 the Widowmaker, which is uh harrison ford uh the hurt locker which yep. was um, a really good film about the uh, guys who, um, uh, isn't it uh, the disabled landmines and stuff? Well, the, I, yeah, the, yeah, the bomb squad the, or whatever. The right? IEDs, I, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if she won, but I do believe she got nominated. Yeah. She's, I think still at this point, the first and only woman to win the Academy Award for best director was for that film. There was it. Okay. There you go. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, in 2012, she came out with zero dark 30, another great movie. And then I, you know, I have not seen the one uh, from 2017 that she did called Detroit. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, uh, that one's got uh, John Boyega in it mm-hmm. and Anthony Mackie. I'm gonna have to watch that because that uh, that's a good cast and she's yeah, a good director. Good things about it. Yeah, yeah. So she is not like a straight horror director. You know, this is this is really the only horror film uh, that that she's done. She's she's more like uh, drama, war, action kind of thing. And from so, what I understand, she wanted to make a western. Yeah, but I mean, but because westerns weren't popular, is. they said, "Well, what if you mix it with something else that is popular?" And horror was popular, so that's why she made a western horror. But she wanted to first and foremost make a western. I mean, Catherine Bigelow, if you're listening, which I doubt you are, <laughs> please come back and make a western. She's a big fan. I, I love westerns. Like it doesn't have to be a, a horror Western, just yeah. make a Western. I love Westerns and we need more of them. There's, there's not enough of them that come out, uh, nowadays. So, so that's uh Catherine Bigelow. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and roll the trailer. And when we get back, I'll give my first impressions, uh, since I picked this one. Kill me then, Caleb Colton no longer belongs to our world. We we'll give him a week to see if we can call him one of us. He belongs to hers. But you have to learn to kill. He belongs to theirs. I don't want to kill. He makes a kill tonight. And they all belong to the night. It's three hours short for a bus ticket home. You help me out? What do you want? Believe me, I told you. Don't think of it as killing. Amen. Amen. Don't think at all. It's just something that you do night after night. It's only ever a question of time. Nervous? I would be too if I were you. 
near dark. Be your boys falling in with control. Check out time. Watch yourself some time, son. Like damn, this is my family. Let him go. We're back. My first impressions of Near Dark. I saw this one probably in 1987, um, maybe 1988. I cannot remember if I saw this in the theater. Um, I, I, my my guess is I probably didn't, because um, I would have been uh, what was it, uh, thirteen, maybe. Yeah, thirteen. 13 or 14 and uh yeah i wasn't allowed in to see r-rated movies at that time so i did not see it i probably saw it on hbo or something uh, i can still hear it in the background you, you guys you might be uh Vin, you might be too young for this i would be at my grandparents house and they would go to bed and then hbo would come on and it, and then you knew a good movie was getting ready to come yep. on. Um, so that's probably when I saw this. Um, I liked it um, when I first saw it. I did not like it as much as The Lost Boys, and I still don't. And we had a discussion, um, uh, Nara say an argument on, what was it, episode... It was like episode 48 or 49, somewhere in there, where Mr. Venom said that this is a superior vampire movie to Lost Boys. And I disagree with that. They are two very, very different films that get kind of pitted against each other for no good reason, other, other than the fact they came out in the same year and they're vampire movies. Um, but they're just completely different types of movies. This is a much more serious, uh, film. There's not a lot of comedy or, or, or levity. I mean, you could say Bill Paxton, maybe a little bit, um, is that levity. Yeah. But near dark, it's a, it's a dark film. It's a, it's a gritty, it's a gritty film. Um, and, and I did like it. I liked it even more as an adult. Seeing it again, I believe I saw it again, probably in the late nineties, early two thousands. And then again, I watched it, um, twice for this one. And I, I did tell Tammy, there, there's some flaws in this movie that, that stick out to me. Uh, but I still enjoyed it. Still, still really enjoyed it. And still I'm, I'm going to recommend it, uh, at the end, just spoiler alert. I'm going to, going to recommend it. So yeah, I, I, I liked the acting. I liked the, the grittiness. I liked. I love Westerns, which I just said in the fact that this is, it plays out like a Western, um, a modern Western, you know what this really reminds me of a little bit, uh, in in John Carpenter's vampires. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, not exactly the same, but in the same universe. Yeah. Well also dust till dawn also feels like it. Yeah. That's part of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I'm guessing the, 
films are probably a direct influence from this one. Mm-hmm. Probably, probably. Um, I mean, Dust Till Dawn to me is, is a little more over the top fun, you know. Yeah, but it's uh, still like a Western vampire yeah. film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Taminator. First impressions. <laughs> this is the this is the first time watch for you. So yeah, what year did you say it came out? Eighty seven. So I'd have been nineteen. Huh? I did not see this at the movie. I'm pretty sure this is my first watch. I can't. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I feel like I've seen scenes from it, but anyway, I don't know. So I heard like vampire western, and I was like, okay, I'm in. Bill Paxton, Lance Hendrickson, definitely in. And then, oh man, I was back out after like 15 minutes. This is just, uh, this is just way too over the top for me. I did not like a single character in this entire movie. And there, you get a lot of them in your face like the whole time. Mm-hmm. I think I had, this is not the movie's fault, but I think when I heard Vampire Western, uh, I think I was expecting from Dust Till Dawn and I definitely did not get that. And it's not a good vampire road trip movie like Dr. Sleep, you know, where I like it really helped that I cared about the characters, you know. Um, I don't know if this was just a little too 80s, maybe. And that sounds bad because I love the 80s. I love 80s movies. Uh, But this was just I don't think it's aged very well. And maybe that's because some stuff that gets compared to it like i said dust till dawn has come out since so that raised my bar so it's not the movie's mm-hmm. fault but yeah i just it graded on me quite a bit yeah yeah i mean i, I get what you're saying but I, I don't feel that it I, I i do agree that it doesn't quite hold up as much as i thought it did but i don't think that is a, as a result of its being of it being 280s if anything i think lost boys is 280s um you know, th- this one I think is a little bit more, you know, decade neutral. Uh, I mean, there, there are there are a few songs or whatever soundtrack, whatever, but the the score is very synthy and very you know uh, of today. I thought um, so, but yeah, I, I can I can understand what you're saying. You had you had expectations, and it had that is really that's really where it, it lies. When we yeah. when we haven't seen a movie um, that's you know, a lot of people love and they're going to recommend to you. You go in with these expectations and there's nothing you can do about it. Like how, how do you, how do you shut that off? <laughs> you know, and this I don't is think- that Bill Paxton era where he's playing that same character in every movie he was in at that time. <laughs> and I just hate, I don't like that Bill Paxton, but I love you him. Even like Bill Paxton in this movie. No. Oh, he was the worst thing about it. No. I, I I wanted to like fast forward through his scenes. Really? Yeah, yeah, I hated it. <laughs> oh, I think Bill Paxton is uh, one of the best parts about the movie. I know he's supposed to be, and if, if for people that this hits with, that's what they're gonna like about it. His one-liners and his over-the-topness, and I just he just graded on every last one of my nerves. So. Mm-hmm. All right. What about you, Vin? Well, I had seen this one yeah, like many years ago. It was probably in the nineties and the bar scene, it always stuck, stuck with me. Um, however, I didn't really remember anything about the first half of the film or about our main character. Uh, like for some reason I had it in my head that this was like a chase movie. 
mm-hmm. with like a group trying to track down the vampire family, like a group yeah. of like, you know, not just like a father and daughter, but like people with guns. Um, <laughs> and, you know, upon this rewatch, I kind of see why I forgot about the first half. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. Like I, I enjoyed myself on this rewatch, but there are definitely certain scenes that I really like. Uh, but I do think there are some real weak links. Um, I do think it's funny though, how similar the plots are to this in lost boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there was something in the air, you know, with yeah. how close they're released. And there is almost like a beat by beat plot parallel, um, to this, which is very, very interesting. I don't think there's any kind of cross pollination going on either when these mm-hmm. things were created. So it's very strange. Um, I think the protagonists of the lost boys are definitely more sympathetic than these ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I do like these kind of grungy vagabond cowboy vampires. Uh, they're definitely up my alley in that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I feel like I might end up being in the middle of you two <laughs> with this yeah. selection. Yeah. No, I mean, I, again, I definitely found some, you know, chinks in the armor <laughs> this time. I think this is one of those movies that, um, y- y- it's better in your memory than it actually is. I think uh, it has some standout scenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Standout yeah. scenes. Uh, Not yeah. everything connecting it is really. Yeah. yeah. And I love, I love, the parts that I love about it, I love about it. Yeah. Uh, but this time it really stood out to me what I didn't like about it and where it could have, you know, um, been better. But I also still think that it's a really good movie deserving to, you know, to be seen. Um, it, it's, uh, again, I, I will say it's the anti lost boys. It, it's the, it's the same kind of story, but you take out all of the, you know, um, I don't, I, I would say eighties, goofiness you know that kind of stuff i mean you don't have you don't have uh the two quarries in this movie and the frog no sexy sax man no no sexy oiled down (laughs) sax man none of that uh no Kiefer sutherland um you know it's it's i mean come on there's there's um the, it's like the anti-Lost Boys, and it's got that that vampire family. That's like the anti-family. Um, it, it, they've got the mom, dad, the brother, sister, and the little kid. It, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. they got them all, you know. And it's like this crazy motley crew—no pun intended—there of of vampires going through, and they're they're gritty, uh, they're dirty. They don't seem to be. Um, loving life too much except for maybe bill paxton it's like you know they're very old i mean the one guy like lance hendrickson he's like he fought for the south yeah in the in civil war they yeah. i mean yeah <laughs> and, he lost. and here's the thing like if you're if you're alive for that long you you probably are going to get bored well so, I, I thought there was something really interesting about these vampires i don't know if it was on purpose that it it, it kind of struck me right as we were starting to record. Um, you know, they kept talking about like Homer, right? Uh, yeah. Who's the boy, but they kept calling him old man, right? Yeah. But, and even though he might be in years older than him, he the, he's still treated like a child. Yeah. And he still seems to want the company of children. Um, and I feel like these are vampires who, no matter how old they are, they're like stunted. Mm-hmm. You know, like whatever mm-hmm. age they were bitten at or turned at, they're kind of like stuck in that age. Yeah. Even if they yeah. even if they get older, it's not like they grow wiser 
or anything like that. You know, it seems like they're just kind of stuck wherever they were, um, which is kind of weird. They're, they're kind of like they're more like these creatures trapped in amber than they are this mm-hmm. kind of thing that can become decadent and evolve. And, you know, it's like this is the kind of vampire that we would never want to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's no romanticism with these vampires. Uh, so I, I just think that I, I do find that really intriguing and I do like that aspect. Yeah. I mean, uh, I didn't even pick up on that, that they co- were calling him old man. Um, and I think that's kind of cool because yeah, I mean, he gets bitten and turned or whatever at whatever age he is, what 12, you know, yeah. 10, I don't, yeah. I don't know what he, and, and, but his brain stops developing, you know, and he's just stuck whatever yeah cuz it's not like in like interview with a vampire you know yeah. um with um oh, what's her name um yeah Kirsten Dunst Kirsten Dunst yeah. yeah i'm just trying to remember the character's name but like she like mentally grows but she's just trapped in a young girl's body but yeah. it seems like homer talks like he's an old man trapped in a young a young body but mm-hmm. like when he goes to like shake Caleb's hand he does like the you know thought you had a friend and he puts it through his hair um <laughs> sort of thing like he's still doing little kid things yeah uh so it's like yeah in years he might be older but he's yeah. he's not older you know and watching him smoke a cigarette outside the motel and inhale was, was kind of funny yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> funny. but i will but say I- this it was it was kind of sad like how he wanted the company of that girl. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he wanted he, to turn a her character. Yeah. 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 He wanted to turn her because, Hey, you have, you have somebody, everyone's got somebody now. Yeah. Yeah. Not me. Uh, so he wanted to, to, I don't, I don't think he wanted to hurt her. He just wanted her companionship. Yep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he don't think he tended to kill her. He intended to turn her. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think there, let, let's just say, I think this movie looks great. I think mm-hmm. it's shot very well. There are some really, really uh, memorable cinematography um, uh, choices there. Like uh, yeah. uh, the one part where they're on the hill and you see the mist and the light in the background and their shot, their um, silhouettes. And so an there's just a shot. lot of, yeah, yeah really cool, uh, very Western yeah. type of stuff. Yeah. Even like, even at the end, it's, it's a showdown. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's a showdown. They're in the middle of the street. Yeah. Um, yeah. So really phenomenal. I love the score of the movie and I like the, the, the very few choices of songs, um, like soundtrack songs. Yeah, like when you go into the bar, in yeah, yeah. Going to the bar, there's a song that comes on. I think it fits the scene. It, yeah. It's again, it's not like lost boys where you've got four or five or six songs that, people probably would know from that era. It, it's not that kind of soundtrack. Yeah. They're not top 40 songs. Yeah. Really. Um, so I enjoyed all that. I, I enjoyed all the acting, you know, I did not even realize that Adrian, uh, Pasdar, who plays Caleb in this. I, I did not realize all the stuff that he's been in. Like I, I didn't know that he was in Carlito's way. I, di- I didn't realize he was the guy from uh, heroes. Do you remember the TV show The Heroes? Yeah. Yeah, he's Nathan, the the main guy. Oh. Um uh I, I was like it just never dawned on me. But that guy has has had a huge career. I mean, he's mostly in TV stuff now, but I mean, come on. He's he's still working yeah, still. I, I don't think there was any bad acting, but I will say that and I don't I don't think it's the actor's fault necessarily, but like You think it's flat? 
our two lovers are boring. Oh my god! Yeah. You know, like I did not like the love story. Um, oh, I didn't think that they. Yeah, it, I don't know. We we don't really learn anything about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, which well, I always bothers me. Like when we first see our hero, he's kind of just obnoxious cowboy. You know, mm-hmm. like we don't develop a real connection to him. Like, yes. um, you know, it's I do okay. I get the parallel right. In, in when we first see him, he he kills the mosquito. Um, I get the blood sucking thing right. Uh, mm-hmm. but he's like lounging in the truck bed before going to the bar, which I guess is almost like sleeping in a coffin before mm-hmm. it gets dark and you go out drinking. So I kind of get that parallel. But it kind of confuses me as to who he is because I actually don't even know how old he's supposed to be. Like, does he have a job? Is he 18? Is he 25? Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be thinking about this character. Um, And just the fact that we see his family looking for him is the only thing that kind of makes me sympathize with him at all. And you don't even you don't even have that connection that between the family members. Yeah, because they're not they don't share the screen time. Yeah. Until the very end. Yeah, so to me, um, that that first 15, 20 minutes of this movie that that really drags. Yeah, it really does, uh, and I will say that there's just not a lot happening there. Um, they could have used some of that. Let, let's let's follow Caleb for a little bit yeah. and see his relationship with with his family and his friends or whatever, and see what he's what he's leaving behind. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so that we can, uh, sympathize with him or whatever. Like we don't, we, we it, it's like the first scene. He sees yeah, the, he just the, goes to the bar eating ice cream. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and you can put that in there with, um, you can mix it in there with following may and, mm-hmm. and, and realizing like she's, she's this vampire, but she's lonely. She's, yeah. you know, she wants somebody. You know, so Cause it could have been done much be- better. Right, because they don't develop either of them enough. It only ever feels like lust between the two of them. Yeah. Okay, and we're yeah, supposed was... to believe that they're in love. And I'm like, I just think they want a bone. Like, I don't understand. Like, you know, well, you can't, I this mean, just seemed like a one night stand that's gone too long. I don't, I don't yeah. sympathize with this couple. Well, you can't be, I mean, to me, you, you're not going to meet somebody eating ice cream cone and you're in love already. Uh, to me, that's just goofiness. No, that's uh, like what they so turned yeah, it into. It was, yeah. it was, it w- <laughs> I think it was lust driven, you know, uh, as a girl, if I'm begging you to take me home and you stop and pull the keys out of the ignition and hold them up and I'm crying and I'm saying, just take me home, just take me home. I'm never going to fall in love with you. She might've been desperate for companionship. There might've been something more in it for her. But I never bought any kind of a love story after that scene. He was a, does a total dick move, mm-hmm. and I was totally done with him at that point. Yeah, he wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that nice. He's to like him. a cowboy bro, like a cowboy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did. I did want to point out on air what I what I pointed out to um, to you, Tammy, is that Homer who was played by Joshua John Miller. That is the half-brother of Jason Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> who plays, uh, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? Brian. Brian. Uh, you're eating worms, Brian. Um, mm-hmm. In Lost Boys. And they're both uh, sons of Jason Miller, who is father, um, um, oh my gosh. Karis. Father Karis in The Exorcist. Yeah. So, uh, and that kid wrote Final Girls. Came out oh, a few did years he? Ago. 
No, that's yep, right. He, he did. He that. did. So it's, it's kind, kind of, of neat. About his father dying. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. yeah. So it's kind of neat that like brothers are in uh, competing vampire movies in 1987. It's just so weird how these two films are connected. It's yeah. It's bizarre that it's all accidental. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? What else we got? Um, so I thought I said I thought the CGI wasn't bad for the time. Like with the smoking skin and some of the shooting scenes that left holes in people and stuff. It like didn't practical look bad. Effects? Yeah. 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 I thought those looked good. Yeah. I did too. Um, you know, like, well, when, he's, there... like when he's running around like smoking, I, I kept thinking yeah. the Marlboro man. Like when he was like out <laughs> yeah. in the cowboy outfit. Yeah. <laughs> but, was, but was there any uh, CGI in this? Oh, I don't no. know. Like, No, there was a CGI, but they did like superimpose fire yeah. onto Homer when he's running. Yeah, he had um, to. Yeah, yeah. Can't which do I, that, I didn't think that looked bad. I was totally fine with that. No, I thought it actually looked pretty good. It didn't look like. I mean, I've seen, I've seen stuff in 2020 that have yeah, done that, yeah, and it doesn't worse. look as good. Well, something in that movie, there's a couple of stunt guys, I'm sure, that were actually set on fire. Like you know, yeah. how they exploded. The pyrotechnics yeah. is really they good. Would, they would yeah. never do that. Like now. when they're when they're like arms are catching on fire yeah. during the shootout yep. scene and everything. That that stuff looked really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. The burn makeup on them. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, that was the, good. The the makeup on Bill Paxton at the end. Yeah. Is real good after he gets run over by the truck. But here's here's my here's my deal. Um, I wanted more of that. Uh, yes, the movie's violent, but I, I wanted more. I, I kind of felt like these vampires should have been more brutal. And we should have witnessed them like, like ripping some people's throats out. Well, that's, I, I really did not like the ending of this movie. Mm-hmm. I think partly yeah. because of that. Um, I know I'm kind of skipping to the end and we'll get back to other stuff, but uh, there were a lot of things about the end that I did not like. Like, I don't understand how Caleb can make zero preparations to defend his family when he mm-hmm. returns home, you know, even yeah. after he sees may. And then, known. Yeah, like he doesn't wake up his father when his sister is stolen. Uh, you know, he just goes off on a horse to go find her. I'm like, this dude is an idiot. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, 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 did, I hated Caleb. Like he was. Thank you. Wasn't a very yeah. smart character. <laughs> no, no, like, like none of them were really. Um, but yeah, it, I, I didn't like that at all. Um, and the, the showdown with him and Severin was was kind of cool, except I didn't really understand the car, the truck exploding. Um, but I don't know. I, I didn't like that whole lead up to the showdown. Um, I kind of like the last, the last part with the car coming at him and it's on fire. I thought that was cool. Um, it it would have been better if, if Severin would have come walking out of the, the fire. It would be like Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something. Yeah. Something. I was like, he can't be that easy to kill. You know? Well, he was uh, killed by a Terminator in the first movie. So yeah. Yeah. Give him a chance to walk out of the fire for one. Yeah, so that's what that's what I was hoping. Um, and Jesse Hooker, you know Lance Hendrickson's char- character, obviously, mm-hmm. you know he's got some sort of control over everybody in that family, but they don't really like him. Like even Diamondback, uh, the 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 mom figure, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't think she you know, likes him or, or I don't know. I just didn't feel like, I don't know. I, I felt like she did. I thought, felt like she was pretty loyal to him, but didn't she say at the end, like, cause was it her that threw the knife? Well, and she actually throws it into his mouth. 
Yeah, but she but that was, was, not, that she was, was throwing it at um, <laughs> at Caleb. Yeah, and he got out of the way, and he threw, and she threw it at him. But that was an accident. But then, yeah. doesn't she say something? Like, well, she was angry when he was running away. I think, and because she was expecting Jesse to shoot him, and then mm-hmm. something happened where Jesse couldn't shoot him. I think that's what she was getting angry about. Okay, yeah, I thought like she was mad at Jesse, or was well, I, I think that she does show a little bit of conflict about what they're doing. Yeah, I think she genuinely like she kind of loves Jesse. I think that she's committed to him, but I don't think she's always on her own would do any of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's got the control. He's yeah, got the thumb on on the family. I kind of wish they went into those characters a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, you could. I mean, he, you could really do again. You can say this about anything, but you could really do like a a TV series or yeah. something where we get some of the. Um, you know, the back story and, and the background of, of some of this, that, that it's way funny when can... you see Severin, like practicing with his gun. Yeah. It's like, was he like a fifties greaser? Like what exactly was that guy? What he was, oh, alive, yeah. you know? who, who knows, <laughs> who knows, but it, it would have been, it would have been good to just, you know, see, see and know a little bit more about him so that you can empathize and, and sympathize mm-hmm. with, with everybody. But yeah, I, I agree. That was the main thrust uh, of what I was saying uh, when I said that I thought there were chinks in the armor. That that was it. Just not getting to know the characters. Now uh, let's let's go and compare this to the Lost Boys. Okay, the Lost Boys sit, spends a lot of time setting up what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get to know, um, um, you know, Corey. Uh, I, I, again, I don't know his. I forget his name in the movie. Um, Brian and and uh, his brother. And the mom, and you get to know the frog brother. In that get, movie, even twelve-year-olds know to set your house up in case vampires attack. Yeah. You know, like they know that, but yeah. yet we see the father just hanging out with like an open window right behind him. I'm like, <laughs> this is so obvious. Yeah, they'll, they'll never think to come back. Yeah, <laughs> you really laid into them. <laughs> yeah. Like I feel like, and and it would have given it more teeth. Had like maybe the father got his throat ripped out in the hotel room, and yeah. and, and Caleb and his and his um, sister escaped We're on the run or something. Yeah, and I kind of felt like the, what what happened? Except we need him to do the medical procedure at the end, so you know. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But I mean, it I hated that. I hated it, that. Yes, yeah, so a blood transfusion it cures you. <laughs> cures you <laughs> yeah. but i mean he didn't change out all of his blood no like i kind of get it thematically right mm-hmm. it's like um he's returning to the, the you know the, the world of light um but first of all i have our time believing nobody would have thought of this beforehand um and secondly it's just it's too neatly like a reestablishment and a like a reaffirmation of like the status quo yeah you know like i like yeah. a little weirdness in life um, and it kind of feels like that's transfused from the world as well. You know, it feels too much like gay conversion therapy <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> where the father's like, you know, his wayward son has been hanging around those weirdos a little bit too much. And, uh, you know, shock, what, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Shock, like you're right at the, the end, you get a girlfriend, you get sunshine, you get a cowboy hat, you know, you're, you're back, you're back to normal now. Um, so, so it's just, it's, I, I didn't like that. Everything is so neatly put back together. Um, Especially after such a gritty movie, like 
Like, yeah. you just put me through all that, and now we're going to... Like, that is the most neatly tied bow. One of the most neatly tied yeah. bows at the end and of the movie. in her case, it's involuntary. Seen. Like... Yeah, Nobody asked true. her if she wanted. I wish that she woke up and said, "What'd you do to me?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> and ripped his throat out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, out, yeah. <laughs> just no. proceed to kill everybody. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been. It would have been cool if if he, you know, stayed a vampire and she stayed a vampire, and yeah. they decided mm-hmm. to be together. Or what if the transfusion lets him go in the sun or something? I don't know. He could be like a daywalker, like Blade. I don't know. (laughs) That's my fantasy. And not even that. (laughs) They just decide to be with one another, but not be like traveling bastards or whatever these people are. Not serial killers. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. So there's definitely some, some flaws here. Um, Because it's also like, it's, you know, his, his whole journey I think this. I think this is where the Western influence comes in in a bad way because it's almost like it's like a captivity narrative, mm-hmm. you know, where like a settler is taken from the homestead and he lives with like these murderous savages who roam on the peripheries of civilization, right? And he's kind of tempted to stay with them, but then they go and save him. And he comes back to, you know, comes back to civilization with his blood relatives. Um, it's just kind of like it feels like it was like the wrong lessons to learn from the Western yeah. story <laughs> that yeah. didn't really fit with the 1987. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I did want to say this, uh, Catherine Bigelow d- does have some writing credit on this, but, uh, Eric red was right. the main writer and that's the same guy that wrote the hitcher. Yeah. Uh, from 86 oh, and it, and it mm-hmm. kind of follows a lot of the same beats. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. although I believe the hitcher is a much superior movie. Um, Agreed. yeah, it's, it's much better, but you don't get to know, see Thomas Howe all that much, you know, it's, it, things start pretty, pretty much right from the get go. Um, he also, um, wrote bad moon, which was, is a, a, a pretty good, uh, werewolf film from 96 hmm. and a hundred feet. He wrote, which is a good movie from 2008. But, um, yeah, to me, I think he just might've, you know, not, not thought, thought it through that people needed to know a little bit more, in order to, I mean, and I'm telling you, this movie is universally beloved. It's got an 88% on the tomato meter. Well, and the audience score is 74, though? 74%. So it, it, it's beloved by critics and audience alike. So, it's, I, I think that, you know, I, I like the, the kind of realistic approach to vampires. Mm-hmm. I like that. You know, I like how, um, they're light on the tropes. Um, you know, I like how they're more like serial killers and they show like visible fear of the sun. I think all that stuff is actually really cool. But while the vampires get more real, I feel like the world gets less real. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand. Like, how does this guy not know how to call an ambulance when he's dying? You know, like he's I'm going to take a bus home. Like, what the f- dude, call a freaking ambulance. <laughs> you know, like I, it's like I don't understand the rules of this world. Uh, at that point, he doesn't know that he's going to like explode in the sun. He doesn't know that yet. Um I don't know. It's, it's, it's frustrating to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that, that's why, that's what I'm thinking. Like, how old is this guy? Like how, he only has $13 in his pocket. I don't know. Yeah. Does he have a job? You know, uh, he has a truck somehow and he can go out drinking, mm-hmm. but I think, I think part. he's supposed to be, uh, a farm hand for his father. I think he works on the farm with his father. Yeah. That's like, is I he think. just like a, if he's like a, like, you know, a layabout on the farm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he's I think he's not got enough going on 
to really make him, um, you know, not, I guess he, did he really struggle whether he wanted to leave or not? Or he didn't want to, he didn't want to stay with the vampires, but then he, he kind of, he kind of started enjoying it. He kind of did because he wanted to be with mm-hmm. May, but then when he saw his sister in peril, it's like yeah, that that's mm-hmm. that's what set him off, right? Because he, you know, he he saved the day at the at the little motel or whatever they were doing. He, yeah, he, he was doing yeah. the truck, group. and he got the spur from uh, uh, from Bill. Yeah, and so he was feeling part of the group, and then so I think he didn't have that much to go back to. So yeah, he was probably just a layabout man. He was just a well, even when when he when his family finds him before he realizes the group is going to kill them, he doesn't he say that he's going to stay with the vampire group. Yeah, before they, yeah. Yeah. it's not until they start threatening his family directly right. that he's like, no, I'm I'm done with this, right? Yeah, um, yeah, so. So, I mean, that all said, I, I really feel like, you know, we're crapping on the movie. Um, and, and I think Tammy uh, is, is the one that really means to crap on it. <laughs> but yeah. I don't, I don't want to crap on it uh, because I still think it's really enjoyable and it's one of my favorite vampire flicks. Uh, it's not perfect, though. Uh, if you want to go back, and, and that's why we do these shows you know we don't just pick out movies that we love and then just like you know say hey everything was great about this movie we try to look at things with a critical eye and and kind of discuss it and even though there are some some issues with this movie i still really enjoy it i really do i think it's atmospheric um I, i mentioned again the score i mean tangerine dream did the score it's really, really good. It is. Um, uh, there are some problems, but I, I think it's, I think it's definitely, um, you know, it's it's definitely one that I'm uh, glad I have in my collection. So, and and I would recommend it to to anybody. So. No one's uh, going to bring up how much May runs like a girl. Of course she does. She is a girl. <laughs> no, did you see how the way she was running? <laughs> Well, she got the T-Rex arms. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like flopping there. Like every time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I do wish that it just had some more gore in it. I just wanted them to like, like okay, that bar scene, some- that bar scene. I just wanted them. I just wanted there to be the blood everywhere. You Except know. their only motivation I hate is meanness. And I just, I, you know, I don't like those movies. That's their whole motivation is meanness. They're not well, even trying to be good vampires. Like they don't even care. I think they're mad that they're vampires. I think well, they, they might be. They're banded they together. Be. So what are they? Because they're like, probably they, so bored, Tammy. Yes. That that that's the only thing that entertains them anymore. I know, but yeah, like, they have an arrogance about them too. Like mm-hmm. it's, yes, I mean, do they are they killing just to kill or to eat? Just to you kill. know what I mean. Half the people in the barn, I don't think they, they hardly even, I mean, not the barn, the bar, I think I said mm-hmm. barn, uh, they hardly even drain them, really. Right. Uh, yeah, they definitely don't use people up the way that they should as far as a food source. Well, that's um, why we said they're more like serial killers. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's another thing that like I kept, I kept wondering if I was seeing themes or not, right? Because you have that, and related to that, I think, is when, um, when Caleb is feeding off of May, like her, he's draining her wrist. You know, 
while he's feeding off of her wrist, they're at like an oil rig, you know? So you've got the, the oil pumps going up and down behind them. And she says to him, like, yeah. yeah, she says to him, like, if you take too much from me, I'll die. And I'm like, wait, are we talking about blood or oil right now? I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know, are we, are we hitting a theme? Um, mm. <laughs> you know, like these, these are like wasteful people, you know, they, uh, and I don't know. I don't know if, if I was trying to read into something, if they were trying to say something there, if they just thought it was a cool looking shot. Um, that's why, like, it, you know, every time I thought the movie was kind of like, oh, this, this might be going somewhere interesting. I don't know. I got, an, I got another love story thing. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I, I don't hate this movie at all. Um, you know, I, I, I enjoy it overall. Um, but there were a lot of things where I kind of wish that there was more going on. Yeah. I mean, you think it's um, kind of talking or talking about a theme here, do you think it's it's talking about like the um, like existence of rural Americans, like like aimless and not? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know. I mean, it's because it's, it's in the Midwest, right? I was you trying start- to think of like what exactly it might be, what might be being said there. Um, you know, I had seen at least one commentary thing uh, about like. Um, and I just kind of like getting into like Reagan, like racial politics and stuff, which I, I didn't really see with yeah. this. Um, but you know, I, I'm somebody who does look for themes. I, I do look for, um, you know, I look at these things within the context of when they came out. So I do look to see if a filmmaker is trying to say something, um, especially about the time period. And, you know, I felt like at times there was like a, a glimpse of things like that. Um, but I, they, they were so really, brief, not really sure. explored. Yeah, right. It felt like there was they were playing with an idea, but then dropped it. Well, that's okay. probably how two such similar movies, and we you know we were incredulous over how like the Lost Boys this is. I mean, the the last one we were, it's the same kind of thing. You had two movies that came out in seventy one that were so yeah. close together. There's probably right. something, um, something in the something zeitgeist, in the zeitgeist. There. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jinx. But I still think this is a great uh, um, double feature with John Carpenter's Vampires. I haven't seen that since the theaters. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. That's I, a I great enjoy movie. I actually yeah, enjoy I Vampires movie. more than I enjoy this. But they're to me, they're similar. I think they're both kind of I just Western. remember asking the priest about mahogany. <laughs> I think that's the only thing I really remember with that movie. Yes. <laughs> yep. That's it. <laughs> don't, don't, watch, <laughs> don't watch this with, as a double feature with Lost Boys because they're completely no. different. Yeah, uh, yeah right. definitely. So I would say vampires. Um, let's throw some some uh, trivia or some background in okay, there. Okay, wait. Uh, B- uh, Bill Paxton is the only person to be ever attacked by an alien, a predator, <laughs> and a terminator. <laughs> no wonder he died. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Severin in this is like if Chet from Weird Science became a vampire. Yeah. You know, like he, he's still playing off of a certain theme there in his career. Um, I, think, I think they could have made him a little bit, even a little bit more over the top. Oh, God, no. Yeah, yes. but I, think that, I think it would have been even more realistic if that happened. They um, could have made him like a um, uh, dude from uh, Fright Night. What's his name? Evil Ed. Oh, God, oh, God no. no. Oh, yeah, that would have been oh, please, great. No. No. It's I'm pulling out my own eyeballs right now. <laughs> oh, come on. It's great. 
Um, I do like his line, like, I hate it when they haven't shaved or something like that. That's, oh, yeah. That's a good line. <laughs> um, did you did you realize that um, this is basically three of the cast characters from Aliens? Aliens, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know that she was already uh, hanging out there with James Cameron. Um, let's see. Oh, the word vampire is never used mm-hmm. in the movie. Oh. Nope, not once. Um, during filming, the cast and crew had to deal with a train that would stop at the same intersection every night. One night, Bill Paxton, in full makeup with half of his face missing, saw one of the train workers leave the diesel engine and went up to him saying, Hey, man, there's been an accident. And if you think I'm bad, wait till you see the other guy. And the train went away. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, what else? Anything else? This was Catherine Bigelow's first solo directorial effort. And I, I, you know, again, not perfect. think it was really good. I think it was good. Um, and, and this is, this is sad, but the producer, Edward S. Feldman told her that if she couldn't handle or didn't know what she was doing after five days, she would be replaced. Now, seriously, Dick would, would a male director have been told that, Come on. No. We're going to give you five days, right to see the dailies. Yeah, we're going to give you five days, Kathy. If you can't handle it, get out of here. <laughs> no, I, I, th- I think that there's some real inspiration in this movie. There's some definitely accomplished scenes, you know. Um, I think She's there's... got an eye. Yeah, yeah. And definitely. you know why, right? She's a painter. Did you know oh, that? Like she, no. she was a, um, an artist, like a painter artist. Um, so you can see like when someone has that kind of an eye, a painter's eye, she does composition and color. There there were, there were many scenes where like that could be a painting that could be a painting, you know? Um, yeah. So I think that that's uh, neat. Uh, I didn't know that the, the driver that gives, um, uh, the finger when he's hitchhiking, when Bill Paxton uh, is hitchhiking, that was played by James Cameron. (laughs) <laughs> who had visited the set that day. Mm-hmm. I wonder what he visited the set for. <laughs> um, no, I'm not going to say anything. I do like the fact that they didn't really do a lot of that um, uh, vampire stuff like holy water and crosses uh, and, yeah. and garlic and, and all that stuff. That's a little bit more Lost Boys-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this was just more gritty. So they didn't really go into, except for the sunlight. That That's it. And that's why I do love that shootout scene because they're getting like hit by bullets, but that's not what they're afraid of. You yeah. know, it's just all those little shafts of light that are coming through that you can see them panicking and, you know, catching on, you know, yeah. their, their arm catches on fire. And I, I, I love that whole idea of them not being afraid of the bullets, but of the <clears throat> light coming in. Yeah. Now, do they, they get, of course, they get hit by these bullets and stuff, and it does oh, it like hurts them. stun yeah. them or what it hurts or whatever. Uh, I guess they just heal very quickly. Yeah. Oh, it, Lance you know. Henderson spits that one out and gives it back to the guy. Remember? Sticks it in his pocket. Yeah. yeah. In the hotel. It's like, here, this is for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you know Johnny Depp auditioned for the role of Caleb? Did <laughs> you see that? 1987. No. That would be what he had been doing. 
this is this three years after Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't know. I don't know what he was I doing. Probably doing. Maybe he was being made or something. Well, he was in 87. He was probably just about ready to do 21 Jump Street, right? I, mean, I don't know. Anything else that anybody wants to say about the film that is Near Dark? I think we pretty much covered it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do believe the Blu-ray is out of print, uh, making it go for... Uh, kind of uh, dozens and dozens of dollars on eBay. Um, I'm sure it will probably get a a special edition at some point. So, somebody's going to put it we out. We should say this is not available streaming. I guess no. it's trapped in like, because this, the production company pretty much went bankrupt right after this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been in like all kinds of rights limbo and everything like that when it comes to streaming. So you need a physical copy really to see it. Yeah. And I would say that it's it's worth going out to buy a copy because it's it's not going to be like fifty bucks or anything. If you just want the DVD, you can probably get it for ten bucks somewhere. So, all right, well, let's go ahead and rate it, and we're we're going to Taminator rate it first. <laughs> She's well, gonna kill it. No, I really not. I mean, I. I think, like I said, when we first started talking about it, I think I'm, it's not the movie's fault. I think I'm holding it to something I wanted it to be, um, comparing it to things that came after it. But it, it's kind of about the same as the other movie. I'd say it's about like a five for me. I'm not going to run out and watch it again, but I appreciated what was, you know, what I liked about it. So Good. Vin? Uh, I'm at an eight. Um I do, you know, I like the bar scene. I think that's iconic. Uh, I love the shootout scene. Um, and I, you know, the, the the car at the end with the fire, I love. Um, I do like that there's that, I think, a pretty good scene with the uh, the truck driver. Uh, yeah. When they're driving with him, how they make him very likable and sympathetic. and mm-hmm. um, So th- there are certain aspects that I really like. It's just, especially the love stuff. And uh, there, there's a lot of fluff that i'm not necessarily buying into um that's surrounding it but any i i think i think it's worth owning yep i agree and i'm right with you i gave it an eight eight out of ten again not without its issues but that's pretty much every film ever made uh there's there's a few perfect films but not many so an eight out of ten and i did want to say like i appreciated the fact that um this this movie takes place almost exclusively at night, and it was mm-hmm. shot at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was shot in forty seven days. Forty of those days were night shoots, so you know uh, it, none of that crappy day for night type stuff going on. That uh, was authentic, so I, I appreciated that too. So, uh, and I did, I did want to say this. I found this on IMDb, and and I have to say, get out of here. Entertainment Weekly ranked this as the twenty first scariest movie of all time. What? It's not are scary. You, it's not scary smoking? at all. Again, put the crack pipe <laughs> down. Uh, it, nothing, nothing scary about it. I mean, it's no. it's a it's a good movie, but it's not scary. So maybe if you showed it to a four year old, but I mean, uh, come on, let's be real here. There you go. So that was our feature review of Near Dark, and with that, we wrap up our two. Uh, episode arc for women in horror. We salute all women in horror. We love you. We need more of you. 
and uh, more people, more of you directing and producing and, and all that. Not just being final girls, but uh, uh, you know, being the boss. Yep. So, all right. So let's get out of here. Let's tell everybody where they can find us on the internet. Taminator, where can they find you? I told you you can't find me, but if you look really hard on our group page, I'm there. Or you can find me under my own name on Facebook. Alrighty. How about you, Vin? On Facebook, I'm Vin Horrorcast, and the horror blog is therevenantreview.com. Very nice. And why don't you plug your you got a you got a new book uh, channel on YouTube? He's yeah, a YouTuber. <laughs> plug that up, YouTuber. <laughs> I started a, book, a YouTube channel, uh, a booktube channel. So uh, you you have to like books <laughs> in order to find anything that I say on there interesting. Um, but it's Revenant Reads. Um, it's not, I don't only talk horror books. I actually talk a lot of history books, um, but horror does come up quite a bit. Um, and I do sometimes read horror as well. Uh, right. So if you want to check that out, go ahead. Yeah. So get on there so he can monetize that bad boy and be a millionaire. Yeah. Yeah. Be a penny air. A penny air. That's right. Uh, you can uh, email us if you want to. If you're old school, at askthehorrorcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the HCast and also on Instagram at the Horrorcast. Wanted to uh, just say that episode 115 coming up next week will be a Rotten Roundtable episode where we talk about um, all the stuff we've been watching. And there's been a lot that we've been watching. And then, uh, Episode 116, we will kick off our Horror in Space. Horror in Space. Horror in Space. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we'll be, we'll be doing that for a few weeks and talking about two films. Uh, I think we should do um, the aliens first, right? I mean, that's, that's the, the mother of all um, horror in space film so episode 116 we'll be doing the double feature of alien and aliens so uh join us then but don't forget to listen to the round table too because you're going to miss out on a lot of good stuff if you do all righty everybody good yeah. anything you want to say nope any last regret re, uh, <laughs> i don't know <laughs> no, wait, wait, hold up now wait where do i start <laughs> All right, well, that's it for this episode of the Horrorcast, where it's all killer, no filler. Tammy? Stay scared. Monsters.